Do you have a child that is gender confused? Are you the parent of somebody that is either identified as transgender using different pronouns or some other type of gender confused, just propaganda being shoved down your, your kids' throats? Well, I created the Biblically Parenting Gender Confused Children Support Group for parents just like you. This support group is completely free. We meet monthly, and you are able to connect with other like-minded Christian parents that are struggling with how to parent children that are gender-confused. They're getting all sorts of nonsense brought to them by the world, and I want to help connect parents that are going through similar struggles and be able to tackle this issue through a biblical worldview. If you are interested in joining this group or know somebody that might be interested in this group, head on over to faithfullyengaged.com, and there's more information about the support group there. I have a link down in the description below. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Faithfully Engage. Uh, today, we're going to be uh, talking a lot about church. Uh, most of you in the audience are uh, either Christians or are fairly sympathetic to, to go into church. So I'm going to get more and more into that topic today with my guest, Dub. So, Dub, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, sure. Hi, my name is Dub Carricker. Um I am a retired pastor. Um, and author of a new book um, called What is Church, as you said. I'm from Arkansas originally, um, grew up uh, back in, well, the the Jesus movement, uh, which you have probably seen the movie or heard about. Um, I gave my life to Jesus when I was 15 years old, had grown up in the church prior to that, um, uh, mainline denominational church. And um, really came to have a solid relationship with Christ at that point. Um, you know, uh, for the next three years or so, had a great time with Jesus and uh, was in a band. We traveled around the country singing Jesus music and um, just having a good time with God. And um, uh, went to college and um, had sort of a negative experience there with some uh, Christian folks. And so lost my faith for a little bit, or I guess questioned, I guess. Um, today we would call that deconstructing our faith and um, did that um, for about 12 years, just decided, hey, God, uh, I know you're there, but you're bugging me. So you leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. God did not keep his, uh, my side. Yeah, I kept my side of the bargain or I tried to. God never made that bargain. So, um, later on got into the entertainment business, met my wife, Pam, uh, doing that. We've been now been married for 45 years. And, um, she too was a Christian who was, uh, kind of away from God. And in the process of all that, God showed us his love in a really powerful way. And we understood that. He loved us and uh, wanted us back. So uh, we, you know, recommitted ourselves to him and have been more or less faithful ever since. Uh, like I said, I became a pastor later on in life, pastored for about 17 years um, and was a businessman. I've done a lot of different things today. Um, I'm I obviously am an author, have written the book, but also I run a nonprofit uh, ministry uh, dealing primarily with the persecuted church, uh, a, a specific people group in Central Asia and the Middle East. Uh, travel a lot um, for that, and um, I'm just happy to be here and talk about church because um, the reason I wrote this book is I I really I love the church and. Um, I know that the, a lot of people struggle with church these days, even people that grew up in the church, or maybe especially people that grew up in the church and wonder, what is this thing all about? And do we even need church? And if so, what is it? So that's kind of my backstory. Yeah, no. And, and what you just said there at the end, um, I would add the especially those that have been in the church. You mentioned the deconstruction movement. Uh, there, there's just a lot of that going on, especially in you talk about the Jesus movement. Uh, in my 
generation, I feel like deconstruction movement is probably a, a much more uh, relevant thing. And anyways, we see that common with uh, people that I used to grow up listening to and different music things uh, that are out of the faith. It, it, it's just seems to be happening a lot. So let's let's start um, with church, uh, you know, people, especially in, in United States typically are going to like, okay, I'm, I, I kind of know what church is. Why is it important to define what church is? Um, so what's your kind of answer there? What exactly, what exactly is church? Well, I think it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, like as I said, I grew up in a, uh, one of the standard denominations. And then uh, when the Jesus movement came along, we dropped um, all of that. Um, I was a teenager. I was 15 years old. And uh, a lot of my friends ended up uh, following Christ around the same time. And the idea of denominations became very unimportant to us. Um, so we began, I guess that began my whole search uh, about what is church. I thought I knew what it was growing up. Um, and then I got a whole different idea. Um, I found out that the church was a lot larger than what I understood. And I think the reason this is important is because, uh, if especially if you've grown up in church, you sort of have your idea, this is what it is. I grew up thinking, well, I'm a Christian, you know, and I meant that I didn't, looking back on it now, I guess I meant that more in a, a cultural sense, you know, like I'm a Christian, I'm Jewish, I'm Muslim, whatever. But um, without really the understanding of the relationship with God part of it. And um, today, a lot of people are really struggling with this, I would say, especially uh, those that grew up in evangelical churches. Um, there's a lot of young people that are like, wait a minute. What is this all about? And if this is all there is, why do I really need to be part of this? Um, so I, I, that's why I wanted to go back to what did Jesus and, and his disciples think about it? Why did Jesus even start the church? Um, what is the church? What is its mission? What is its purpose? What are we here to accomplish? And take that from the Bible, take that from the words of Jesus, take that from history. What have we seen the church be like throughout history? And um, as time goes along, you know, is there an end of the world? And if so, what is the church's place in that? Um, I th it causes us all, I think, when we look at the scriptures and look at the history um, and look at the church globally, universally, it causes us all to stop and think, wait a minute, what is this that I'm involved in? And a lot of people have been hurt by churches. They've been disappointed by leaders who have done all sorts of crazy things. We know all the history. And I, I wanted to take this from a positive point of view, not revisiting all the ills of the church, because I think everybody you know, has a pretty good handle on that, especially even people that are outside the church, they can tell you everything that's wrong with the church. Um, but uh, let's, let's go back and look at what it genuinely is. And that's what I'm trying to do in this book, because I want people, we talked about the deconstruction movement. I want people as they're looking at, okay, well, this is the faith that I grew up with. Is this what I really want to be a part of? Do I even need to be a part of a church? What does that matter? I want them to have a, a solid foundation that they can start from rather than just, well, these are my feelings and these are what my friends think and here's what me and my experts say because a lot of times me and my experts um, get us in trouble, especially when our experts get a little bit off track. And if you've you know, if you've if you've uh, followed, like you were talking about, some strong personalities or, uh, uh, you know, leaders in the church, and then you've seen them go off the rails, and you've seen people get hurt, you think, well, wait a minute, what? Why do I even need all of this? Is there something solid to hold on to here? Yeah. Well. I, I had some fairly recent conversations about 
the importance of a foundation and not center in it like you mentioned on feelings uh feelings are not a bad thing god god made us to have feelings but feelings can be fleeting feelings can be off and we need to have something much more foundational um and that's why as christians uh, believing scripture is so important because that's that foundation doesn't change whereas my thoughts and feelings very much can change so when when we're looking at scripture when we're looking at Jesus and and the uh the the apostles and just the beginnings of church what what was kind of the foundation there of that beginning church and um yeah why why was it important why was it important that Jesus made made a church well i think Jesus understands that well Jesus was here for a short period of time right he was basically here for 3 years he Told, he showed the disciples what God was like, um, and then he showed them how they should follow um, God in, and and follow and believe in Him and follow God. And he showed them what what he what God expected us to do here on earth. Then when Jesus went back, I mean Jesus came and he he announced he, the kingdom of God is among us, right? When Jesus went, when Jesus died, was crucified, it was resurrected and went back to heaven, the kingdom of God didn't go with him. He left the kingdom of God here on earth among his disciples. And that is what the church really is. We are the representatives of the kingdom of God. We are God's people here on earth. And just as Jesus said, hey, if you look at me, if you want to know the Father, just look at me. You know, I do everything that the Father asked me to do. He instructed his disciples to do that. He showed them how to do it. He sent them out two by two, you know, to to do the same kind of ministry that he was doing. And he told us to wait for his return. And when he ascended into heaven, he gave the disciples a charge. And he said, and, and many, you know, by that time, there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who were following Christ who would later become known as Christians. And uh, so he they gathered together in the upper room. The power of God came upon them on the day of Pentecost. We In the book of Acts, it gives us a whole pattern about the church and what they were up to, what they were doing. They were meeting house to house, sharing meals together, praying for one another, going out and sharing the word of God with people, um, ministering to the people in their communities, and demonstrating the love of God in real practical ways to people and the salvation that is found in Jesus Christ. And that's what is the church. And Jesus said, I will establish my church, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Well, in the last 2,000 years, Hades has pushed back pretty hard, you know. And so it's good to know what are what is the church, what are we supposed to be doing, and we need this gathering of the people of God. God, the whole thing about um, what Jesus did was he established our relationship with God the Father, but he also established a relationship with us. He calls us his family. He says that, you know, it, the Bible says that in Christ, that we are the whole family of God that's gathered together. And we have a mission here on this earth. He gave us purpose. He gave us things to do. We're supposed to evangelize. We're supposed to worship him together. We're supposed to uh, love one another. There's all sorts of things that he says, this is what my church will be doing. And that's what we need to be about while we're here. Um, what you know, everybody wants to know what's my purpose? Why am I here? What am I? What am I doing here on earth? God never intended for us to work that purpose out alone. He intends us to work it out as brothers and sisters in Christ in the church. You know, you you you're using some language there of togetherness. We're we're not supposed to do this all alone. We're supposed to assemble together. That's something within our current culture. I would say, especially post COVID, that not that that's completely gone away, but you see a lot more isolation, uh, isolation, um, staying, staying at home and doing things, not going out with other people. Why is it so important in the church that it's not just 
me and Jesus and, and, you know, I just read my Bible and pray all day. Like, why is it important that we have other people that we do assemble together? Why, why is that part so important? Well, it was, it was certainly important to Jesus. You know, he picked his 12 disciples. He spent three years with them and taught them everything. And then he told them to go and do the same thing. It's, it's important for us because uh, we actually do have an enemy. Like I said, Jesus said, um, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Um, he said, I came to destroy the works of the devil. You know, is there an actual devil? Sure. <laughs> you know, is there an actual God? Yes, there is. And uh, we can look at the world around us. If you can't see the effects the, uh, in the world that says that there is a deep and pernicious evil um, here operating here on earth and a culture that has been set up by this evil, um, then I don't know that you're paying much attention. Um, and it's hard when you face that kind of evil, when you see that kind of evil. We're never intended to to go up against that alone. Um, it's important because Jesus loved us enough to come down here and live among us and, and show us who God really is. And we then, in turn, need to live together with others does that create some friction? I mean, do we rub off of each other sometimes? Sure. But also, it's really difficult for the, it's more difficult for the enemy of our soul, the devil, to pick us off. Um, we can get sidetracked. I don't believe that, I personally don't believe that, you know, you're, you can lose your salvation if Jesus has, has saved you. Uh, I know some people do. And that's okay. It's within their right to to believe that, but but it's harder uh, for that to happen if you are in community with other like-minded believers. You you talked about the Bible and that being the foundation. Well, it is, but the Bible, it, just like salvation, belief in Jesus, and being saved by Him, the Bible also takes a leap. But you have to take a leap of faith and say this is. You know, this is going to be the foundation that I'm going to use um, as as my point of reference in my life for how I'm going to live, how I'm going to believe, how I'm going to operate. A lot of people question whether the Bible is accurate or not, you know, um, and you hear all sorts of arguments about that. So about that. Yeah, it does require a leap of faith. And just as believing in Jesus requires a leap of faith. And it's, I think God knows it's helpful for us to have people around us who look, take that same leap of faith together and can encourage uh, each other when we come under uh, these kind of attacks. It's a, <clears throat> it's a tough world we're living in today. And if we believe the Bible that Jesus is going to return and we've kind of read the end of the book, well, it's going to get you know, even tougher. Um, my parents went through World War II. I can't imagine what that must have been like. We have very short memory spans, you know. Uh, uh, we tend to think of things only in terms of what we've actually experienced. But throughout history, people have been through all sorts of difficulties, and they need one another. I, I spend a lot of time with the persecuted church, with people in the Middle East and in Central Asia, where it's illegal to be Christian, basically. It's illegal to have faith in Christ. And believe me, you need other people around you. You don't do that by yourself. Um, it's helped shape my view of the church and, and the need for the kind of community that we have. Um, it's this is, this is not a given. The love of God that's just not a given. You know, and I, I work with a lot of uh, Muslim background believers. And in Islam, there is no, uh, the, the Quran doesn't say anything about God being a God of love. That says a lot of other things about God, but it doesn't say that he's a God of love. And the idea that there is a God who actually loves us personally and is invested in our lives personally and not just an angry God that we have to, try to appease by our, you know, uh, 
obedience or good works or whatever. That just doesn't exist, and it doesn't exist in other religions either. It's one of the things that makes Christianity unique. And we, we there's there's so many commands in the Scripture that we're to love one another, serve one another, prefer one another. We need all those things happening in our lives. We need to be engaged in that ourselves. And there's sometimes we need to get some of that back um, when we're going through tough times. Kind of, kind of along these lines about what the church needs to be, what it was intended to be, and uh, some of the, the benefits there of, of being alongside other believers. How has... How has the church, Christians, um, just in general, how have we kind of failed here recently? Like, what what are ways that Christians in the church as a whole are not being like Jesus currently? Well, love is the big thing, right? And I, I don't know that Christians, um, and I'm talking about Western Christians or Christians here in the United States, I don't know that we do a very good job of showing the love of Christ. It's like we forgot what it was like to not know God um, or to be away from his presence or to be ignorant of God and, and uh, who he is, of his holiness and all those. We're really quick to show judgment to, to people. You know, um, we love John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But we forget the scripture after that, John, John 3, 17, where it says, for, for God did not come into the world to judge the world. The son did not come into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved by him. There is a judgment coming, but it never says that Christians are supposed to be, do, you know, doing the judging. And um, as a matter of fact, we're to show the love of God. It's the kindness of God, the Bible says, that leads us to repentance. We're not even very kind. I mean, just go on X these days, you know, used to be Twitter, just go on X these days and look at the Christians, you know, going at it with each other and and not just with each other, with people who are um, not believers, don't share the same values that we do, don't have the same understandings that we do. And man, unkind is probably... Uh, one of the weakest words I could use about some of the ways that we interact with other people. How is that demonstrating the love of Jesus? Jesus, the only people Jesus ever got upset with and was ever unkind with uh, were the religious people who were trying to put rules and regulations on people that weren't even, you know, in the scriptures. Um I think that ought to give us all pause as Christians. If we look at who Jesus was, what he did, how he served people, how he uh, spoke to people, how he loved them, how he touched them, um, you know, and healed them and did those sorts of things. And then we look at the church today. Is that what we're doing? Um, it needs to be. And I think those are some of the ways that we're we're kind of really missing the boat. Um, we're quick to point the finger at other people and not recognize that, listen, I'm a sinner and I needed a savior to save me from that sin. Um, and, I, and I think the church needs to do a much better job of that and not be so critical, harsh, judgmental. People get enough of that in the world we don't need to be we don't need to be piling on you know it's, it's an interesting topic here that especially when we're dealing with uh that the outside world not not within what within the church um that there is the there is truth um standing on on truth is important uh and doing that in a kind way is it can be difficult, but it's important. And I think what you pointed out there of I'm a sinner, there, there's that there's that humility of showing that I don't have it all figured out. Like, yes, this is wrong. This is sin that we all have. Um, but there's good news. Uh, Christ is here um, and, and we we believe on him. He can forgive us of our sins. Um, 
that's that's that good news that's that gospel and we need to make sure that we're not yeah we're not the we're not the good guys here we're not the ones that figured it out christ is um as long as i have a prideful stance um yeah you're not going to have a very kind response yeah that's really true um you know i think i think it would help if we were more honest about um, who we are and, and what our failings are. Um, you know, abortion has been a big uh, topic of conversation for years, and the church, uh, you know, has a stand on that, um, as we should. Uh, we, you know, we're, we're life people. We're not death people, right? And you were just referring to being able to speak the truth with kindness. The Bible instructs us to speak the truth with love. Well, you know, um, I'll just tell you a, a quick personal story. Uh, I told you that there was that 12 years where I was, where I walked away from God and was kind of doing my, my own thing. Well, during that time, and this was back when um, abortion, uh, Roe v. Wade had passed, but abortion was not legal in every state. And we uh, went to the doctor and the doctor said, hey, you know, she's pregnant. This was a problem for us. Uh, my parents were Christian. Her parents were Christian. Matter of fact, her dad was big in one of the churches. And um, and the, the doctor convinced us that we could get this taken care of easily and that it was not really a human life. It was just a a blob of matter at this point. And so we went to a neighboring state and had the abortion. And unfortunately it went really badly for her. Um, and well, for us, I guess. And, um, she saw some things that she shouldn't have seen and it tore her up. And, and then that tore me up. And I, now I'm living with guilt. We're both living with guilt thinking, well, we've killed our own child. Um, you know, I, I've been a pastor. I've told this story um, a lot because there are so many people who have been through this and thought that they were doing the right thing. We certainly thought we were doing the right thing. And then you have to deal with all the emotional baggage on the other side of that. The reality is very grim. And, um, and there's a lot of guilt and a lot of shame that goes with that. I think we, it's good when we can be honest and say, listen, I've been there and, you know, I found, I found salvation in Jesus. I found forgiveness in Jesus. I found acceptance in Jesus and love. Um, and that he would even forgive, even that he would forgive of me. And, and it was that love that, um, drew me, drew me back to Christ. And, and, that's a that's a lot better than standing there and shaking our fist at people and saying, you know, well, this is wrong. You can, so there's the whole thing of speaking the truth in love, and and being honest and not being hypocritical about um, our own condition. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and again, that that was a uh, obviously a very very powerful story, and and we read, I mean, we read throughout Scripture. There's all sorts of murderers and bad things that that happened in scripture and again it's not about them being these great people that did it all on their own it's faith in god um god has the power to save save people that did not deserve it and and you and i and no one else deserves it and i think that messaging there is just so important that it's not about it's not about how great i am it's about it's about how great god is and that humility again to share that your story and, and all of our stories of of sin um that speaks that speaks to people that hey we've got a real loving god that despite my own evil still forgives us um that that like you said that's much powerful than just pointing out like you're terrible <laughs> like it's that that doesn't that doesn't do a whole lot for us to just simply state things and especially in the manner in which that that we can kind of have that vitriol towards one another you know, I was in the entertainment business and um, most of my friends were gay. And um, 
I love them dearly. Um, I went through the AIDS epidemic, um, you know, back in the eighties when, uh, they were the, the, my friends were calling it the gay plague, you know, and they were scared to death because, um, they were dying and getting very sick and no one knew what it was. And then the church, unfortunately stood up and, and said, well, you know, this is God's retribution against you all. And, those were my friends and I lost some of my, my dearest friends through all of that. Um, the church did not handle that very well. Why was that sin so much worse than my sin or anybody else's sin? Um, I think that's, that's what we do as human beings. We tend to kind of parse that and go, well, you know, I'm, my sin's not as bad. You know, I'm just a, I'm just a liar or, you know, whatever it is. And, and we kind of parse that out, but we, uh, you know, especially today with, uh, all the gender confusion and, you know, you, you've got to try to get everybody's pronouns right and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, Christians, we, we have a real responsibility Yes, we, we need to speak the truth, but we need to do it in love and we need to do it with humility. Like you said, I think that's a big thing. A lot of the church just, uh, has, seems to have lost, uh, their humility. And I think some of the leaders that we listen to, um, they, they have their, um, they have their own, um, agenda, I would say, are we building God's kingdom or are we building our own kingdom? So I think we have to be careful about who we're uh, listening to. And it, and one of the ways that I uh, try to use as, as sort of a reminder is, is, is this person humble? Is this person teachable? Or, you know, are they projecting something else? Um, and I think that's why it's important for us to be together and have mutual accountability in the church. Mm -hmm. You need somebody that can look you in the face and go, Hey man, you're being a jerk. What are you, what are you doing? You know, uh, if you don't have friends in the church that can love you like that and tell you that, Hey, you're, you're wrong, you know, then, um, we can easily get into more trouble than we really need to. And we can hurt and we can really hurt and damage people. You know, kind of along these lines, um, I, th I think we all have people, well, those that are that are Christian, um, have people that you listen to that are outside of the church or read books. I mean, like you're, you've got a book coming out, and there, there's certainly nothing wrong with people reading books or listening to people that are outside their church. However, as you're saying, there's no there's no reason to not have that local body. Like that's, that's a requirement that we need to have that local body there. So what would you say to somebody that's like, okay, that's all fine and good. Um, but I, I just do, I just do church online. Um, is going to church, just doing that online. Do you think that suffices um, for that kind of church commandment there? No, I don't. Because you don't have real relationship. Um, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's sort of like, um, it's sort of like dating, you know, online. Um, I mean, everybody connects now online, right? You're looking for somebody online and that is fine. And it, it goes to a certain point, but if you're actually as a Christian, if you're going to follow through and, you, you're, you know, you're thinking, well, I need to get married at some point. I need to have someone that I can spend my life with. I need to, maybe there's a family that God has for me. At some point you have to actually have a real in-person face-to-face kind of meeting. And cause you can be anything you want to be online, right? You can, I can present any sort of image that I want to online, but when you actually are together with someone in person, well, there's some reality there. And I just, I don't think that, I mean, there's nothing wrong with listening to podcasts, watching services online, you know, whatever, but you cannot live as a Christian. You cannot live your whole life online and think, okay, I'm, you know, uh, as the scripture says in, in Hebrews, you know, 
you, we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Um, well, I can assemble myself digitally together, you know, but but can can I actually be together? It's it's like when you go off to college and you think you got it all together, and then suddenly you have a roommate who has different, you know, is different from you, and you've got to put this together. Are we going to have a relationship or are we not? I mean, with a with a roommate, you can just simply request, "Hey, I need somebody else," or or whatever. If it's not working out, but you know, it doesn't work like that in the kingdom of God. We're going to be spending eternity together, and I think trying to do this online is uh, not ultimately beneficial. I mean, you talk about COVID; that was really tough for everybody. And Kyle there were. You know, there were churches that took all sorts of stands on that. Um, there were Christians that took all sorts of stands on that. Um, and and ultimately, you know, Jesus is in charge of the church, right? And we have to uh, we have to be obedient to Jesus and what He's telling us to do. And that may be different for different people. Um, but at some point, if, if you sat at home in your pajamas on, you know, and, and did church, you know, uh, every Sunday for two years and you were perfectly fine with that, at some point you're going to have to establish real relationships with people. Again, life, life moves on even after pandemics. And, um, sometimes we get stuck, I think. And so, um, you know, is at that point, what do you do? Well, you pray and you go, okay, God, you know, what do you want me to do? Your, your, your word is pretty specific. I'm supposed to be in actual fellowship with other people. We're supposed to be doing things together, like, you know, sharing the gospel together. We're supposed to be loving one another, serving one another. We're supposed to um, go and take the good news to all the world how am I going to do that? How would you have me do that? And, um, and then, and then do it, do what God is telling you to do. You know, kind of looking back at the, the COVID timeframe, um, the church I'm currently going to, I did not attend during the, the very beginning, kind of March, 2020. Um, but the decision that they ended up making, um, was, to they closed down kind of initially when everybody was was closing down but they never chose to do any live streaming or anything like that um not saying that churches that did do that were necessarily wrong but the reasoning i, I read through this after we joined i really liked the reasoning was they wanted us not meeting together or uh, at the time, them meeting together, they wanted that to hurt. They wanted that to not be natural and to feel like we can just tune in on our phones or on the computer and that will replace um, meeting together. So the way they did that was for however many weeks that they were off, they're like, we want you to miss each other. We want this to not be an enjoyable, easy time where I can just sit on the couch um, and get used to that. Um, so when they did meet together, it was like, it was a celebration. Uh, it's like we, we were back together. Um, and I really appreciated kind of learning about that when I came in of how serious that this church takes meeting together. It is that important. Um, and yeah, there's great resources online all sorts of great sermons. Um, there's some sermons I've listened to that I really appreciate when they say like, this is a, this is an online resource for you, but please find your own church to go to. Um, but yeah, you can learn all sorts of things out there, but you cannot neglect meeting in person, like you said. So I, I really appreciate that answer. Yeah, I think that's terrific. Uh, I mean, I like the approach that your your church took. As I said, I spent a lot of time in people with other parts of the world, with Christians in other parts of the world. And listen, they didn't stop meeting. Um, I mean, if if you're um, in Iraq or you're in, you know, Syria or somewhere 
and all you can do is meet together as a small group. Uh, you know, there's no large group available. You meet in somebody's home. Uh, you may or may not be able to sing songs because it might attract attention uh, to what you're doing and the authorities might show up. But um, you meet together, you share the word together, you pray for one another, you take communion together, whatever, you know, you do the normal things that a church does. But when COVID came around, I mean, and it wasn't because of ignorance. It wasn't like, oh, well, we don't understand what a pandemic is. That It's just that that's life to them. And to not do that is not life. And so they they never quit doing it. Um, you know, did there's, I mean, was the, were there repercussions for that? Sure, sometimes there were. I mean, it was tough. But I think here in the West, we, uh, we have so much and we can easily jump online or, you know, however you, you get on your phone or whatever you want to do. That's just not an option for people in a lot of other parts of the world, um, especially those that are that are in places that are hostile, you know, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, if we could get uh, a, a better idea of the world that we live in and what it means to be a Christian, not just here in the West, not just here in the United States, but what it means to be a Christian as part of the, bar, the broader community of, of Christ in the world, I think it would, uh, it would help us a little bit to, um, to get out of kind of our I, me, my kind of thinking. Um, and the, the scripture is pretty clear that, you know, the I, me, my thing is not really the way that God wants us to go. You know, for for those that are interested in more of the global church, like you said, you, you've traveled a lot. You've really been hands-on to, to a lot of very persecuted places uh, towards the church. Um, but I'm thinking of somebody that's, you know, kind of just, they've got kids, they're, they've grown up in their same hometown, and maybe they don't even have the resources to necessarily uh, travel today anyways to 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 go to a uh, more hostile uh, place towards Christianity, how could that person, how could they get a little bit more connected and, and maybe have a deeper understanding of some of the struggles that other Christians in different parts of the world have? Well, that's a good question. And I think the answer to that is one of the, one of the things that the church is to do together. You know, the gospel, tell, uh, the, Jesus told us in the, in the Great Commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Well, you don't have to go to the other side of the earth to do that. I mean, you can go to the grocery store. You can, you can t go to you know, your neighbor's house. But one of the things that, that, that I think that God gathers the church together to do is that that, that of any, any church, I think, that's being obedient to God and to that commandment, needs to be engaged in um, in the church and the world in some way. And that's something that we can do, you know, we, like you say, a lot of individuals, I just don't have the resources. Uh, I may be disabled. I can't, you know, get around. There's a lot of reasons why people can't go to other nations, get involved in that way. But there are one of whether you have a church that meets in your home or whether you're part of a large denomination, however God has you connected with people in your church, that needs to be part of what the church is doing. Um, there are many different ways that we can get engaged with people around the world. Um, a lot of that you can do online, as a matter of fact. Um, there's... Uh, if ask God to ask God to put, put put someone on your heart, the way I got involved um, in doing this was that our church um, uh, back in the 90s decided that, listen, there's a bunch of people who have no access to the good news at all. They never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Most some of them have never even heard the name of Jesus Christ. And what are we what are we supposed to do about that? 
what is our response to that great commission? And we just began to pray and ask God. And we did that together as a church and ask God, where would you have us to get engaged? What are we supposed to do? And in doing that, God began to point out to all of the people in the church as we prayed, we, we started out with, well, we think we're supposed to do something with Muslim people. So, okay, um, where were we supposed to do that? And we began to look at the different areas of the world. And then as we prayed, God began speaking to people. And it's like, well, you know, I have a sense that maybe we're supposed to be doing this in this region of the world. And okay, now let's look at people who are not engaged. I mean, you can look, you can get on the internet and look there easily and find unengaged people, unreached unengaged people groups and just pray over that. And then when you find that, find other people that are doing that similar kind of work. It doesn't require a lot of resources. It doesn't require a lot of travel necessarily. We have plenty of people in our church that have never traveled overseas, and yet they feel very connected to the people that we are serving and trying to reach because they've been hearing their stories for years. And then we find out that there are some, that those people are here. Some of them have immigrated here to the United States and they're going to college in my town. You know, I'm three minutes from Duke University here where I'm located. Well, how many, how many foreign students do we have at Duke University? There's tons of them. And there's lots of them that have never heard the gospel. And so you can invite people over to your house for a meal. You know, invite a college student who doesn't, who's not from this country, who doesn't have any friends, invite them over for a meal. That doesn't take much doing. It's, it's, it's intent, I think, more than anything is, okay, this is what Jesus told me to do. I don't have the first idea how to do this. Let's start praying about this and let's see what God will do. And then we can engage um, in, in meaningful ways right from where we are. Um, so you don't have to travel around the world to do this. That's what God's called me to do. But that doesn't mean that's what God is calling anybody else to do, or much less everybody else to do. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that answer because it's, it's just so simple. Um, and there's really no, no excuse to not be involved in some way, even if it's just praying uh, the Right when you hear this podcast, just giving a prayer for uh, a unreached pe- people group or something like that. So yeah, you, you can be involved from your own bedroom, um, but just you have to do something. It, it's not going to just come up and hit you in the face. You, you got to be actively involved. Well, Dub, I, I really have enjoyed this conversation, and and I know that uh, those that are listening to this could really benefit from. Um, being able to, to read your book and, and know more about it. So how can they find out more resources about, about your book and, and to be in contact with you after the show? Sure. So this is the book. It's, uh, let's see if I can get it in there. It's called What is Church? Um, it's going to be released um, uh, to booksellers on, uh, by booksellers on January 16th. Uh, you can order it online at any of your favorite booksellers. Um um, you know, Barnes and Noble or um, um, Amazon or anywhere. Um, all you've got to do is just just look up what is church, and uh, it should pop right up. If you want to um, engage directly, or like if you wanted to get a Christmas present or whatever, um, you can you can go to my website. My website is dubcharacter.com. Let me put that up so you can see the dub character part. Wait. Sorry, not good with cameras. <laughs> Dub character, and you can engage with me there. I, I if you want to get a book from uh, the website, uh, you can order one there, and I will send you a signed copy. Um, but you can also engage with me there. I've got my blog there. Um, there's uh, all my contact information. I would love. I just love to talk to people and. Uh, I love to help people who are curious or uh, wanting, you know, to know more. I'm, 
I'm I'm very happy to be a resource uh, to anybody that I can. I've been doing this a long time, and I know a lot of people, and um, I know a lot of organizations. Um, I, I'm just I'm a connector. That's one of my gifts. So yeah, I would love to see you dubcaracter.com. Um, I would love to see you there. And like I say, buy the book. It should be in bookstores January 16th. But, you know, I mean, who reads hard copies anymore, right? So, um, <laughs> and and my publisher uh, will not let me release the audio version until it has been in bookstores for six months, unfortunately, because I know a lot of people prefer to listen. But um, uh, if you go to my website, you can at least find um, some things, some audio resources there. But, yeah, I'd love to engage and uh and, and be a help to uh, any individual or any church that's interested. Great. No, I definitely cool. will link all of that information down in the, in the show notes below and dub. Yeah. Th thanks again for coming on. And it was a great discussion. Thank you, Johnny, so much. I really appreciate it. Um, this is, this is very helpful to me. I, I did this because God has put, um, I'm, I'm old. God has put younger people on my heart. I've been, I've spent my life working with, you know, teenagers, 20 somethings, 30 somethings. Um, that's, that's really where my heart is. My wife and I were foster parents. We've had a lot of people, uh, a lot of young people in and out of our lives. And, um, so thank you for having this, this, uh, program and, uh, helping get the good news out to people. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, absolutely appreciate you being on here and sharing about your book. And uh, thank you again to everybody that tuned in today. And we will catch you on the next episode.